I am excited, excited to preach today. Uh, we are in a new series, Father Figures. What would it mean for us to be uh, such like the image of Jesus that Jesus said this amazing uh, scripture? He said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And I believe it is the calling of the church that we would be so much like Jesus when our communities have seen the church, they have seen the Father. I believe this is an assignment from heaven. And so Father Figures is literally this. What would it mean for us to take several weeks, as long as possible, for it to get deep down buried in our souls and in our spirit that we want to be like Christ? Because I really believe that it is Christ-likeness that shifts communities. And oftentimes, it's not the, how many people are coming to church, but how many people who are like Jesus coming to church impacts and shifts and changes a community. And I really feel this series deep down in my heart. But as I was processing a little bit, I felt like it was like, wait a minute, like I'm asking people to do a lofty thing. Like I'm asking you to want to be like God, right? Remember the 80s commercial, Be Like Mike? Nobody ended up like Mike, by the way. Maybe LeBron, but like we was all, I want to be like Mike. And I wish they would have told me, you can never be like Mike. Uh, I spent money on Jordans, played basketball, couldn't shoot. Well, I was never like Mike. And so it's, if it's lofty to be like Mike, I, I feel like I'm like, yeah, just be like Jesus. Yeah, we're father figures. Yeah, we just, you know, this is what we do. No, no, no. This is a big deal. And you might be wrestling with that like, you might have some vice or something that you can't, haven't been able to shake, and now you're asking me to step it up and be like Christ? I'm just getting to the point where I even believe in Jesus, and now you're telling me I should want to be like him? I don't know if he's real. Do I want to be like Jesus and just, because Jesus seems to be keeping us in COVID for a year. Do I want to be like that? So, so I'm saying this because sometimes pastors can be presumptuous and say, yeah, yeah, of course, just follow figures. Be like Jesus. This is the whole point, and I'm like, this is, we got a lot of things in our heart that would be in the way. And so I don't want to just give you the theology of the value of being like our father in heaven. I want to begin to break down some walls uh, at what is preventing us from actually wanting to do that. And, and I've been having this thought uh, uh, out of Ecclesiastes 3.11, Ecclesiastes 3.11, and, and it says this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And listen to this line. He has planted eternity, not in Christians. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Not in just believers. Not in just people who go to growth track and complete it. Not in just people who get water baptized. Not in people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. In every single human, the Bible says that God has implanted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people can not see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. I want to preach a message loosely based off of that American Express credit card commercial where it says, don't leave home without it. I want to preach a message called, don't go home without them. Don't go home without them. E eternity. It's like a big word. Like I don't, we, we actually as uh, humans um, hate things taking forever. And forever is a value for a Christian. Matter of fact, you want to be a millionaire, save somebody time, and you will be a millionaire. 
I, I just bought an air fryer machine uh, uh, three months ago, and 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 oh, no, it's about six months ago, and I never used it. And now, until about this last week, and now it's kind of like, literally, if like the best thing ever was sitting hidden in your house and you didn't know, because I've been using my air fryer this week, and it has changed my life. I can make my food in 15 minutes, just like, I feel like an angel jumps in there and uses this angel breath and just, just blows on the chicken, and it cooks it it's perfectly. I cut the chicken in half and the juice just flows out of it. Sometimes I don't even eat the chicken. I just watch the juice flow because it's just so perfectly cooked. And it's 15 minutes is the best part. Sometimes when it's cooking, I just stand there like eight minutes to go. 15 minutes. It's not just that it tastes good, right? It's quick. But yet the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But yet he wants to talk to us about eternity not 15 minutes, I can put my chicken in the air fryer and taste and see that the chicken is good in 15 minutes. Why can't I taste and see the Lord is good in 15 minutes? Why do I have to keep, I mean, I'm 43. We've been in this whole year. It's just taking forever. But God said he's put eternity in the human heart. So if I'm asking us as a church to have a deep desire to be father figures, that means that God created us with a deep desire for eternity in our hearts, which means that I can only be like Christ depending on how I process time. Because if I process time only through the temporary, then I will give up things for a temporary pleasure when I could wait and have an eternal forever. Matter of fact, Jacob in the Bible was called a deceiver. The church actually has an issue with Jacob. We call him a liar. We call him a cheater. We call him a deceiver. But yet in Hebrews 11, God says something interesting. Don't be like his brother Esau. You ever heard a sermon on Esau? I've never heard a sermon. I always hear a sermon on Jacob. Jacob, that old low-down, dirty dog. You don't want to be like Jacob. Then Jacob will come and he'll change your name and change your identity. We never hear about his brother. But yet in the Bible, God said, I have an issue with Esau. Not liar. Not liar. The brother? I have a problem with the brother who got tricked out of his blessing. And God says this interesting thing in that passage of scripture through the writer of Hebrews. He says, because Esau gave up his inheritance as a son for a bowl of stew to solve a temporary problem of hunger. So Esau shifted from eternity to the temporary, and I got an issue with that. Jacob was just trying to manage eternity the wrong way. But I got an issue with his brother who allowed the, the, the concept and the desire that I am eternal out of his heart. I wanted to bless him for generations after generations after generations, and he missed it and gave up his inheritance, which continues for eternity over a bowl of stew. I honestly believe that we cannot be father figures. We cannot live in the image of Christ until as Christians, we deal with how we process time. This is about 
eternity, forever, forever, ever? <laughs> yes, Andre 3000, yes. Think about this. John, this disciple John, gets exiled to the island of Patmos and begins to have these bizarre visions known as the book of Revelation. It is probably the least read book in all of the Bible. No one touches Revelation. Leviticus and Revelation argue for which one is the most unpopular book. Nobody reads Leviticus. Nobody reads Revelation. All Revelation is is prophecies about what the devil's trying to do in times. Lots of prophecies about heaven. So let me get this straight. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he allowed John to be exiled to an island and then start giving him revelation about eternity. This is the only book of the Bible, look it up, this is the only book of the Bible that pronounces in Revelation chapter one that if you just read it to your church, everyone will be blessed. Look it up. No one understands Revelation. But the book that deals with eternity the most out of all 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, all 66 books, only one says, if you read it, everybody's getting blessed. The book in the Bible that deals with eternity the most, not if you understand it, if you just read it. How could that be? Isn't the Bible that what we understand and what we do? There's nothing in Revelation that I can do. But if I just read it aloud, you'll bless the whole church. The one chapter in the Bible that deals with eternity the most, God says, I don't even need you to understand it. I have planted eternity in the human heart. So when you read scriptures that you don't understand, but they're about eternity, there's something that gets activated in your life that creates blessing. I don't understand this, but it's, it literally says this. And watch this. I believe that if we start to process how we deal with time and start to set our hearts on eternity, that earth is not our home, that heaven is our home, something is going to shift in our church. I'm prophesying that if you would stop thinking about the temporary, if you would stop thinking about 2020 and what's going to happen in 2021, if you would get out of your eye, Cal, and into your word, then God could just do something so powerful as he reminds you that he's put eternity in your heart. Look at this vision of heaven in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I know you, what you're saying, huh? But remember, this is not understanding. I'm reading it and the Lord's releasing blessing in your life. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Oh, that's beautiful. I don't want to cry anymore. I mean, I got goals and I got dreams and, 
I hope my finances are great, but I wouldn't mind not crying anymore. And if we're not careful, we can think, yep, so God doesn't care about like opulent stuff and wealth and he just wants his sons and his daughters. We can start, you know that prophet that lives in their car? Like, he's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's that stuff doesn't, doesn't matter. Like recline the seat, sleep, prophesy over somebody. I'm like, no, like that's not true. Here's how I know it's not true. Revelation 21, 21. Now, I don't want to be weird. I'm not really a numbers guy. I'm not one of those guys that sees number three in the clock and always tries to make it mean something. Sometimes it's just three o'clock. But I find it interesting that it says Revelation 21, 21 when I'm praying about 21, 2021. It's just weird. And so then it says this, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. That's a nice gate. I mean, it doesn't sound functional. A pearl gate? That's a nice gate. You know how much a pearl gate is? Each of the gates made of a single pearl. They didn't even cut the pearls up. They just molded the whole pearl into a gate. And the street of the city was pure gold. Heaven is no joke. Don't just think heaven is spiritual. Heaven is wealthy. There's money in heaven. There's gold in heaven. You're walking around and you're on just solid gold streets. So why is there so much gold in heaven if, 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 if they got Jesus? There's so much gold in heaven because nobody cares. And God knew if he paved the earth with gold, we would stop worshiping him and chip chunks out of it and sell it to buy a Tesla. And we'd stop worshiping. So that means that God can put wealth and opulent where people don't care about wealth and opulence. All they care about is worshiping the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So what if in 2021, God's saying, if I can get eternity, if I can get some father figures, then I want to pave proverbially some streets with gold in your life because I know you don't care. All you want to do is bear the image of the father so I can release what's in heaven. Why do you think when he said, teach us how to pray, he said, pray this way on earth as it is in heaven. If there's gold in heaven, there can be gold in your life, except in heaven, they don't care. It's just about Jesus and worshiping the king and being a son and daughter, how do I get to this place? I wish I wouldn't have done this sermon series. I wasn't ready for this. I thought I was going to tell y'all something. I'm not ready. Lord is like, you ain't ready. That's how he talks to me. He's like, you ain't ready. I said, like, I am ready. He's like, no, you ain't. That's how we argue. We, me, and the, me and the Lord argue like how we used to argue with my family. You ain't ready. I am ready. Well, then go on and get up there if you're ready. That's how Holy Spirit talks to me. <laughs> like my old black uncle. Paul said this. Paul was nuts. Paul had eternity in his heart. Paul could be a father figure. Matter of fact, Paul said this to a, a, a group of believers in the church of Corinth one time. I didn't write this down, but he said this. You got plenty of people to teach you, but only by the spirit do you have one spiritual father. You got plenty of preachers. He was literally saying, watch someone else. You can watch someone else. Don't, you don't have to watch me preach, but only by the spirit can I be your spirit. What would make him say that? Paul had eternity in his heart. He had processed how he deals with time as a Christian, so he was ready to be a father figure. 
Philippians 1, verse 22, Paul says this, verse 22 through 26, listen to this craziness. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor then for me. He didn't even call it life. He didn't call it, if I'm going to go on living in the body, he knew he was a citizen of heaven. He had eternity in his heart. This will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. What? Paul, are you feeling suicidal? Because you just said you want to die. Uh, No, he didn't. He said, I want to depart. I looked at it first. I said, Paul said he wanted to die. Wait, no, 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 no. Suicide is wanting to die. He didn't say I want to die. He said, I want to depart. Christians don't die. They don't. They don't die. They just depart. That's why at funerals, they say to the dearly departed. They don't say you died if you're a Christian. They said to the dearly. He said, I'm torn between the two. I just, I don't know if I want to go to work in the morning or go be with Jesus forever. What? No wonder he could say to a Christian, I'm your father by the spirit. He says this, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. I mean, I want to go home and be with Jesus, but y'all need me. What? I will never say that. Matter of fact, like, I need this sermon series. I just cannot picture me saying that. So God is like, you're... Like whatever I have to do to have that kind of relationship with God where I would say something like that, I want to have two steps below that. Because I just don't, I'm not there. He was there. How did he get there? He had eternity in his heart. Jesus is literally going back to sit down at the right hand of the father forever in John 17. And he says this ridiculous thing in verse 18. He says this, God, as you've sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Wait a minute. So in the world, we were born into sin, the Bible says. And then the Bible also says we're no longer slaves, but we're sons because of Jesus. Oh, what makes a son is now shifting you from being a slave, not just to a son, but being sent. Now you're not born here, you're sent here. What if you lived your life like the Lord has sent you into that job, sent you into Starbucks, sent you into your apartment building? Then you would spend the rest of your time in the building discovering the reason why you were sent. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. What if God so loved your apartment building, he gave your apartment building you? What if God so loved Oasis, he gave Oasis you? I know this is true because I tried my hardest not to be a pastor, and here we are. 
And the Bible says, and we love to exalt church leadership. Oh, Pastor Julian, you're amazing. Pastor, this is awesome. But the Bible says that God put David over Israel because he loved Israel. So if you love your leadership, it's a sign that God loves you. Not that there's something special about me, but there's something special about you. As you have sent them into the world, so I have sent them into the world. To do what? Can't God do everything by himself? What did he send us in the world to do? I'm really confused. Did he send us in the world to have church services and lead people to him? Sure. Did he send us in the world to finally be the actor we always wanted to be and finally start the business and be a millionaire and make a bunch of money? He sent us into the world. I believe if God put eternity in the human heart and he sent us into the world to deal with and be father figures and representatives of the image of Christ to every other human who has eternity in their heart, then I believe Paul stayed. He wanted to go home, but he didn't want to go home without his brothers and sisters. I want you to read you a verse that really spoke to me, and I believe it's prophetic for Oasis. It takes place, I don't have time to read the whole story of Joseph, but Joseph, if you know the story, he was uh, in sla- uh, you know, sold into slavery from his brothers. His brothers did him dirty. Uh, then he uh, you know, uh, ended up being, uh, going to prison for something he didn't do, and he worked his way up. God gave him favor the whole time, uh, and, and, and he ended up interpreting the dream of, of a pharaoh interpreting the dream of Pharaoh. And so then he interprets the dream of Pharaoh and ends up being like the second in command to all of Egypt. There's a massive famine in the land for seven years and Joseph is in charge of the only grain, not just in Egypt, but Israel everywhere. And these same brothers who sold them into slavery end up coming to Joseph for grain and they don't recognize Joseph as their brother because they haven't seen him in years. The Bible says Joseph gives them the grain. They go back home. They run out of grain. They come back to see Joseph. Joseph uh, uh, creates a plot to see his whole family because they keep coming back without the whole family. So he sets up a plot to get his father to come in Egypt because he knows that if his father stays in Israel, his father will die. So his father wouldn't come on the trips. Some Bible scholars believe that he was expecting his father to show up. So then when his father doesn't show up and his father keeps sending the brothers for grain, Joseph comes up with a plan to get the father to come to Egypt. And so he tricks Judah into, uh, he pretends that Judah has stolen a silver cup. As Judah goes to go home, Joseph sneaks a silver cup into Judah's backpack. Uh, Judah gets uh, caught with the cup that he didn't steal. And Joseph says, now that you have stolen you can't come back. You, oh, you have to bring back your father. I'm keeping your little brother here until you go get your dad. And watch what Judah says. Watch what Judah says to Joseph. In, verse, in Genesis 44, verse 34. How can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. 
He literally said, I can't go home without him. Because if I go home without him, it would cause so much anguish to my father that I went home without him. I am using this verse to suggest the idea that it would bring our father in heaven anguish if we went home to heaven without our brothers and sisters because we spent our whole life doing things for us. And so what I'm suggesting to you and I that the reason why you're still here and not in heaven where it would be awesome is because God's using the hard times on earth so that you won't show up one day at home without them. Could it be that God, although he loves you, would feel a sense of anguish if you showed up without someone you were supposed to show up with? Without the person in your connect group, without the person in... Remember, Jesus said, as you have sent me, so I have sent them. Jesus being sent for three years saved the world. And God, the average life expectancy for American is 80 years. Jesus lived for 33. And he's saying, I'm going to give you 80 years to not come home. Without them. Who's them? Everywhere I put you is the them. The apartment building, don't go home without them. Your church, don't go home without them. Starbucks, I know you hate your job, don't go home without them. Your neighborhood, don't go home without them. I put you there for a reason because I don't want you to go home without them. And I feel like every single day someone dies and they're, they're probably Christians and they go home alone. And they show up and they had their entire life and God is like, where's Dave? And, and maybe they're like, what do you mean where's Dave? Dave. I don't know a Dave. You do know a Dave. You just died on 2020. Yes, you do know a Dave. Remember Dave from 1982? Used to give him a ride to work every single day. And because you hadn't had your coffee yet, you didn't say a word. Where's Dave? Why'd you come home without Dave? Why'd you come home without Dave? Here's the thing. Believers in the New Testament did not live their life like God was going to give them everything in this lifetime. They weren't trying to have a good day. You and I just want to have a good day. You and I just want to have a better year than, I just hope 2021 isn't like 2020. I just want to have a good day. I just want to have a good year. I want you to write this down. The Christians in the New Testament were never focused on having a good day. They were focused on having a good judgment day. I'm going to read that again. I felt the Holy Spirit. I said the Christians in the New Testament were never focused on having a good day. They were focused on having a good Judgment day. You know, one of the greatest revelations I ever got as a leader is that I don't believe God cares how many people come to my church. I try my best. I don't get this right, but I try to live my life. Like when I get to heaven, God's going to ask me about Jamaica. 
God's going to ask me about Jakati. God's going to ask me about Liam. God's going to ask me about Kyle. God's going to ask me about Jet. And I don't want to get to heaven having done everything I did to be a good Christian. And God says, where? I gave you 80, 90 years and you got two people? You came home with two of your brothers? Like, what, what is going on? What did you think I had you? Oh, you did make a lot of money, though. Oh, you got a book. Oh, Pastor Julian, you got so many book deals. And you, like, you waited in line for the last person to sign the book. Like, you, it was so amazing. You waited in line. There was 300 people in line, and you waited for the last person to buy a book. Oh, my gosh, you're amazing. But what if you showed up to heaven and everybody that bought those books isn't there? I just believe God's saying, don't, don't go home without them. Don't come to heaven without the people that I've sent you to. John, 1 John 4, verse 10 through 17 says this, and this is so awesome. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Watch this. The other translations say that if we love God, if we love people, God's love is made complete in us. People always say, you, you need to understand how much God loves you. And yes, you do. I hope you do. But we'll never understand how much God loves us until we love people because loving people completes God's love in us. And it says, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he live in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. And all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. This is talking about living in God, being obedient to the assignments that God has given us, being obedient to his word. And it says our love grows more perfect. And what is the reward that these believers were expecting when they were obeying God? Verse, uh, the next line says what they were believing for. And so... They finally got the good Tesla, the one where the doors go up like a Lamborghini. Oh, no, 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 it didn't say that. They weren't expecting that. That's not what they were doing it for. They weren't doing it so the car they drive could be better. It doesn't say so. So Jeremy finally gave him the two racks he owed him. If you don't know what two racks is, that's $2,000. It doesn't say that. All of that obedience... And here's the reward. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. All of that so judgment day can go well? So God can say, well done, good and faithful servant, all of that? You know, in 2021, we've been praying and our team's been praying and I really feel like God has been speaking to me and, you know, this, this term regathering or regathering and God's saying, I don't want you to regather. I, I want you to rebuild. And our 2021 vision is rebuilding in strength. Now I'm asking you as your pastor, 
You know, last week I talked about going to the website and watching the video, and at last count, 75 people did it. There's 4,000 people who watch Oasis Church every weekend. I honestly believe that God wants to put eternity in your heart. So right after this service, you would go watch that vision video. You would fill out that survey because God wants to speak to you about not going home without the people he has sent you to. And set so far in one week, only 75 people. I, I honestly believe you're going to start feeling dissatisfied. You know, God has designed the human soul to be dissatisfied when they're not in the will of God. So there's something about us doing this together that's going to bring satisfaction to your soul. Please go to the website. I'm telling you, God wants to use us together. Interesting enough, we call each other Christians. Um, and in the Bible, uh, that term was rarely used uh, amongst each other. Uh, what was used was followers of the way. Think about that. Christians didn't call each other Christians. Matter of fact, Christians was a derogatory term. It was people who weren't Christians called believers Christians. It was like a, a sarcastic thing, little, little Christians. Those little, because it meant Christians means little Christ. It's like, oh, they think they're like Jesus, little Christians. It was a sarcastic term, but Christians didn't talk, call each other that. They're referred to as children of God, sons, daughters. One terminology was followers of the way. How profound is that? But another thing they were called in scripture is builders. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 13. The vision is rebuilding in strength. So we're, we're going from, from, from just believers to builders. See, Christianity is not, the believers is just a terrible term. They didn't call each other believers. They were builders. See, the issue is the church is filled with believers, but, but there's like a thousand and million believers, but two builders. And if we can get somebody to graduate, I wish I had a hat, dun, 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 from believer to builder, God's going to do something crazy. Do you think it's a coincidence that God made Jesus' only earthly job a carpenter? I think he's trying to send us a message. I even made Jesus build something. I made Jesus be a builder because I'm trying to prophesy to the other sons and daughters I'm raising up. I don't need you to be a believer. I need you to be a builder. Matter of fact, in the book of James, the Bible says, oh, you believe God is God? So what? Even demons believe that. Demons go, that's the Lord. <laughs> they do. And they tremble. They're terrified of God. And demons are terrified of spirit-filled Christians. So then what makes us different than a demon? Building. Because the demons try to kill, steal, and destroy what Christians are building. Oh, my God. I feel like preaching. I feel like preaching. God is... I'm telling you, and I'm giving you the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, God's going to move you to a builder. Right now, he's just building you up. I'm prophesying over you right now that things have been getting torn down in your life and the demons are coming after you, trying to steal your family, trying to steal your marriage. Get in the Holy Spirit and rebuild your marriage. Get in the Holy Spirit and rebuild your finances. Somebody lost the business and I'm prophesying over you, you'll rebuild the business. God has called you, birthed you to be a builder. You don't need to just believe it's going to happen. You need to build it. 
faith without works is dead. God gave us a church not to attend, but a church to build. I feel the building spirit rising up in somebody right now. The reason why this whole thing has been torn down, it's not the government. God is saying, I want to see if I got some builders in the church. I want to see if you can rebuild what the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. Because you've been believing for 20 years, but 2021 is going to be not believing, but building. It's not going to be just believing. It's going to be building. Paul said this about himself. This is what we should be doing with grace. God's grace is so beautiful. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, Paul says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. Paul was excited. Oh, I'm not the only one. We got some builders, y'all. He said, I was the expert builder. And notice he didn't call the other people expert builders. Oh my God, I wish I could be like that. I have built Oasis like an expert builder. And now others are building. <laughs> they're not experts, but at least they're doing something. But in our pride and in our insecurity, we only want to do what we feel like we're experts at. So Julian's the expert, so I'm not doing that. I'm trying to find a thing I'm an expert at. No, God's saying just, just others are building on it. But watch this. But whoever's building on this foundation must be careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Back to the streets paved with gold. Are you ready? You don't have to be some humble person that doesn't. Church just needs to be just stripped. All the lights, that's just, that's not God. All the lights and that's just not God. No. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels. Come on. Remember when Bling Bling came out? They could have started a church. Cash money should have started a church. It's right there. Wood, hay, or straw. And the straw people always get angry at the gold people and act like the gold people don't love Jesus. You know, just a mega church, just a big church. We want our church to be intimate. No, nobody's coming. It's true. It's true. It, God doesn't care. Straw, yay. Gold, yay. But verse 13 but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Didn't I say 2020 was a fire season? It's revealing what we really built. And if we built it on the foundation of Jesus, then the fire has no effect on the church. But if the church is crumbling, it means we built the foundation on gold, not on Jesus. And so God is saying in 2021, if I could get some builders, come on, put in the chat, I'm a builder. I'm a believer and a builder. Put in the chat, I'm a builder, I'm a builder, I'm a builder, I'm a builder. Because I'm telling you right now, God is going to give, look at that, gold, silver, jewels, wood. Y'all keep the wood, you keep the hay. I want the gold, the silver, and the jewels. Pastor, you do? It's in the Bible that I can have that. I want to be trusted with those materials. This verse means that if you're building on the foundation of Jesus, all available resources from straw to gold, God will make available to you. That's why heaven is paved with gold because they have eternity in their hearts. Do you want to process how you deal with time and become a builder? A builder. I'm going to read one final verse. Maybe two. No one. Matthew 21, 42. 
Then Jesus asked him, did you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Wait, what? The cornerstone was Jesus. Remember that Hillsong song? Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong. In the Savior's love, through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone. In that era, they put these ginormous stones in the corner of the building, and it would sustain all the other stones. And it says the builders rejected the cornerstone. And and later in 1 Peter, it says that God has made us living stones with Christ being the cornerstone, building a temple for the glory of God to be displayed in our life, the love of Jesus, the life of Jesus, literally be father figures so that we don't go home without the people we've been sent to. I want to pray for somebody right now, and your heart is being stirred right now. I just want to pray. Maybe just close your eyes right now. Because God's been speaking to you that 2021 is going to be amazing. And you're asking yourself, how could that be? 2020 was awful. Am I just being like positive? Is this just me having good vibes or what? God's been telling people that are listening to me right now that 2021 is going to be amazing. And I want to tell you it is, but he needs you to be a builder because he's resourcing builders in 2021. He doesn't mind paving streets with gold, but only if people don't care. They're too, distract, they're too distracted by the goodness of God and the glory of God and the worship of the King of Kings. God is resourcing. And, and you got to be okay if God in the season is resourcing you with straw or wood or hay. You can't say, how come they have gold and jewels and silver? Don't worry about it. Just set your affections and your eyes on Jesus. He's telling you the truth. 2021 is going to be different, but it's going to be different for the builders. God is asking us to rebuild not just regather, but rebuild. And if I'm your pastor, then I'm, I'm telling you, I pray for you. I, I love you. And I'm telling you the truth. God is asking you to build. He's asking you that one day you're going to show up and you're going to be accountable to to God, to Jesus about what you did with this 80, 90, hopefully 100 years that you had. I would love to live to be 100 years old. My goal in life is to be 100. I'm going to talk trash. Just be that. I'm going to be that old man. I can't wait. But after I'm 100, I'm going to go stand before the Lord and I don't want him to say, what happened to Macy? What happened to Kyle? Why did you just toss them aside for your own goals and dreams? What happened to Grace and Brand? Come on, man. I sent you to them. And you came home without them. I don't want to have that conversation with Jesus on Judgment Day. And so I'm asking you right now to just put your hand on your heart and just say, Lord, by your spirit, make me a builder. Lord, by your spirit, make me a builder. When I come home to you in heaven, I am not coming alone. I'm going to spend the rest of my life 
building a procession to enter into the kingdom for all of eternity because that's what you put in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.